This is Creators in Vietnam with Tuesi and Moni. We aim to inspire you on your journey by interviewing creative entrepreneurs across Vietnam who make a positive impact on their community and their own lives. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today, we have the pleasure to welcome Mika Chu, a Russian-French public personality in Vietnam. You have probably seen her a lot, but today we have a chance to learn more about her challenging upbringing and how that experience helped her become that positive and resilient woman that you see today. She shares about her difficult childhood in Russia, impacted by alcoholism in the family, how she got the opportunity to start a new life in France at the age of 10, and what brought her to Vietnam and entered the show business here. Her story is about sacrifice, resilience, grit, and finding the silver lining in any situation. She is a true example that you are not the victim of your circumstances, and you can blossom once you accept and let go of the past and start loving yourself. So without further ado, here is Mikachu. All right, welcome back to another episode of Creators in Vietnam. This is your host today, Tuesi, and my co-host, Moni. Hi, Hello. Moni. And today we have an incredible guest, which is Mika Chu. Hello. All right. Welcome, Mika. Welcome, welcome. So Mika is a Russian-French MC. She's an actress and media personality in Vietnam. She speaks five languages and participates regularly in major Vietnamese national TV shows and YouTube. So you probably have seen her around So if you haven't, we'll have all the links <laughs> in the description already, all right? <laughs> so Mika is passionate about psychology and wellness. She also writes some articles about these topics. And I think the last one was with Bliss Saigon. Yes. And uh, Mika also runs a TikTok channel for mostly Vietnamese audience, which I watched yesterday and was quite funny. <laughs> oh, it's <laughs> <Thank> funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So welcome, Mika, again. Thank, thank you for you. having us at your place, actually. We can see your... Clothing. <laughs> my laundry. You can see my laundry from here. Yeah, nothing, uh, nothing yeah. sexy. Don't worry, guys. This is quite incredible for me as an audience first, because I've seen you in some of the episode. I've seen you on YouTube, and I was like, "Who is this unapproachable person? Like, you know, tall, white, beautiful." Oh come <laughs> on! You <laughs> can't even She wow. she speaks uh, Vietnamese better than me, and then and then when we <laughs> met you, I, actually, when we met you, when we met you, you were so approachable, so nice, so open, and. You know, you've welcomed us in your place and you're like, sure. yeah, let's do this episode. So it's quite incredible for me. Yeah. So thank you so much for having thank us first. You. And then uh, we're going to have, a, uh, I think, a very interesting episode. We're going to talk a little bit about your upbringing, your whole transition here in Vietnam, hopefully. And then <laughs> a little bit about how you balance your life with sure. all this public persona and all the, all the crazy things oh, that la is la. happening. <laughs> yeah, what is like life yeah. in Vietnam, speaking <laughs> Vietnamese. I mean, yeah. like... First time meeting Mika, she's like only forcing us like, you speak Vietnamese, so <laughs> we're gonna speak Vietnamese. And then, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a job <laughs> We're in Vietnam, we're in Vietnam, we have to speak Vietnamese. That's respect, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first, um, yes. uh, before talking about your upbringing, you speak five languages. Oui. What are those five languages? Oui. So these five languages are first Russian, mm -hmm. French, well, English, as you have guessed, <laughs> Spanish, and obviously Vietnamese. <laughs> Very good. Oh, and la. we can confirm that Mika has a better Vietnamese than both of the hosts. Me no, me no, me no, that's exactly. not true. That's not true. That's, and it's not a competition. So it's no, 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 no. It's no. always a competition. <laughs> For our parents, it is a competition. For your parents, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to see your episode. They're going to be like, 
wait, this 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 girl speaks better. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> no, like I remember my parents watching VTV4, and sometimes foreigners um, mm. feature there speaking mm. Vietnamese, and they always show it to me, like, look, look at them, like you <laughs> know, like if they can speak, you can speak. Người nước ngoài nói tiếng Việt giỏi hơn con. Không sao, không sao đâu. All right, so let's get into the interview right now. So let's talk about your upbringing first. I know you grew up in Russia, and uh, so we wanted to know what was your experience, obviously, growing up in Russia, and uh, especially how was your relationship with your family? Well, 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 ngày xưa, ngày xưa. Mika was born in a small city called Nahotka. It's next to Vladivostok, so it's the Asian side of Russia. Ne- nearby, not nearby, but not so far from Sakhalin Islands, not so far from Japan and China. I see. This were th- that's my hometown, and uh, I grew up in a, like I would say, in a medium-sized city. My parents got divorced pretty early. I'll come back to that a little bit later. And I was very passionate about ballroom dancing when I was a child. Oh, I really nice. loved Yeah, I found it very beautiful, you know, like this idea of this perfect couple dancing together to different oh. music like vals, cha-cha-cha, rumba. So I was supposed to become like an instructor of dance, but life is what it is. And um, at the age of eight, my mom asked me genuine questions like, would I like to live in France with her? And, you know, I was little, I was just saying, ah, Disneyland, Mickey Mouse, like, Eiffel Tower, so here it was, it was the first step where we started to think about moving to France. And uh, to come back about the relationship with my parents, uh, you have to know that my parents were deeply, madly in love with, with them, with each other when they met. Mm-hmm. They met on, uh, on a trip in ex-Yugoslavia, which was a beautiful oh, country, wow. romantic, super romantic. And they fell in love. And a few months later, my dad came back to his hometown. My mom went to Ukraine to visit her friend. And he called her and he said, honey, if you don't come to visit me, we will just say it was a summer romance. Like, mm. it, it will just end there. She's like, hmm, okay. Like, what the hell is it asking? <laughs> okay. But then a few days later, she calls him back and he's like, hey, so I can't have bought a dress. And he's like, which kind of dress? White dress. So a few months later, she came and they got married just like that. Oh, my God. So it was really like this kind of movie stuff. But then you asked me to tell about the relationship with my parents. The thing is like, so in Russia, there is a very common disease. I call it a disease, which is alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And I can swear in each and single family in Russia, there is someone suffering of this. Mm -hmm. It's a very common um, disease again. And it was the case of my father. Yeah. So he was addicted to to alcohol, and that's the reason why my parents split. Despite the fact they had this be- beautiful love story, they've been a very like connected to each other, really beautiful mm-hmm. two two persons. But that was set them apart. So mm-hmm. the reason why also I could not stay in my city during the time my mom wanted to go to France was also because of that. So my dad was not will, n- will not have been able to to handle me because of that. And mm-hmm. so at the age of eight, I was here like ready to go to Siberia. Mm-hmm. So Siberia in <laughs> in Russia, it's like I don't know what even to compare that, but we would say it's not funny. It's a little bit rough. Yeah, it's a little bit yeah. rough. And I was living in a small city called Kansk, mm-hmm. and even in a smaller village next to it. So it was like Kwe, literally in Vietnamese, like it was the Kwe, the Kwe. It was very far was from like the high level Kwe. Yeah, high level Kwe. <laughs> literally, like the city where that, that Kwe actually 
that hometown for those who do not speak Vietnamese <laughs> was used to have like a gulag there. Okay. Used okay. to have a gulag. So it's like really, so gulag, which is there people during Soviet Union, they were forced to, to work. They were sent to like mm -hmm. kind of jail, like to yeah. perform some kind of work. Yeah. So I was living there from eight to 10 with my grandmother, the mom of my mom. Mm -hmm. But remember when I told you alcoholism is a current disease? Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, I don't know what they say about the thunder. It never strikes twice. Well, it does. <laughs> because my grandmother was also suffering from alcoholism. So, yeah. the, so did my uncle and also my grandfather. Oh, wow. So imagine yourself at the age of eight without your mom, because she's going to France to make her way mm -hmm. without your dad, who is like in his hometown, struggle with his own like inner battles. And you're just there. In the middle of nowhere, thinking like, what the hell? I'm not supposed to be doing that. I'm supposed to be with parents or like at least with a mom, you know, it, mm -hmm. it was it was a sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. And so when you, I guess at that age and at that time, you didn't see, I mean, like it was alcoholism was already a defined problem in Russia. Of course. Or people were like kind of ignoring it and like brushing it under the carpet oh like, no 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 it's pretty common like yeah, we yeah. how do you say in russia we, we don't try to hide it because it's like hide the obvious yeah you, you cannot yes. hide it so is there a system in place for those type of problems alcoholism or i guess they were but i was still too young to yeah, understand yeah, yeah. but there were a lot of like remedies like homemade let, let's say I see, like yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know how to describe them mm -hmm. it's like like some not even rituals because it sounds again like witchcraft <laughs> like but it was like i don't know like to deprivate the person of the alcohol, mm -hmm. they will be sent in a center. Yeah, rehab, yeah, rehab, 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 rehab. rehab, 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 yes. rehab. Yeah. So of course there was that, uh -huh. but it's it's also like, it's obvious, but at the same time, it's also kind of accepted by the society. Mm -hmm. You know, the way people perceive alcohol, especially men, let's yeah, be yeah. honest, the way they drink, it's it's very extreme. It's not like in France, you know, you and I will go have a glass of wine, maybe two or three, we're going to yeah. be tipsy. Ha, 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 it's so cute, we're pretty. No. It's like you drink to be wasted, to be yeah. like... To forget. Yeah, to, to forget. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly, to escape and to forget. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if you remember those things, but like mm -hmm. in, your, in the environment that you grew up in, was your scenario a common scenario? Unfortunately, it was. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. At, uh, as I'm saying, like many families have this kind of problem, yeah. and it's obvious. But at the same time, it's also kind of no. I'm not saying normal, but almost like ah, he's drinking. He's a man, you know. Like mm -hmm. ah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the thing. Socially accepted. In like a way. yeah. Even though people, of course, feel uncomfortable about this, mm -hmm. even now. Like I'm not been living in Russia for many years, so I cannot really say how things are there. But for the last time I was uh, traveling there two years ago, I could see that yeah, people are drinking, but it starts to be like less terrible than my parents mm -hmm. will tell me. Like mm -hmm. it was, you know, yeah. that people yeah. let still get wasted, but a little bit more with more moderation. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. It's also maybe like an Eastern European thing. Mm -hmm. Where yeah. life is a bit more tough it in is. those countries. So the weather, yeah. Uh, the weather and then Stress. the alcohol is the the, the escape. Yeah. But also, you know, men have a lot of pressure in Russia. It's like they have to care a lot. They have to bring the money at the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have to be at the head of the house. They have to be an example. So it's a lot of pressure, of course. Like young boys, we tell them, you don't cry because you're a boy. You know, this kind yeah. of thing. So it's also hard. Yeah, yeah. I can understand it's very hard for men to grow up in such environment. Yeah. So... This whole situation growing up, what, what did it do to young Mika? Young Mika was honestly at the age of eight before going to France. So uh -huh. we're talking before going to France. I was totally lost because, you know, when you're a child, you adapt very easily. So I, I would have forgot, like, 
about my mom a little bit but mm. after one year and a half about my dad even more and i remember my grandmother she loved me a lot but she, she was struggling with this like alcoholism problem and it's like i would witness some scenes between my grandmother and my uncle when they both getting drunk like kind of trying to like fight with each other yeah. and what i was doing at the time i was just going to see my one my one and only friend actually <laughs> And I would go to see her at her house and we would play there. And funny thing is that this girl, I told her the story of my mom, that she, my mom she used to work on cruisery ships as well. So she was used to living abroad from very young age as well. And I would tell my friend like, yeah, my mom, she's making her way in France. And my friend got very inspired by this story. So later on, I went to live in France. She went to live in USA and Israel. Oh, so oh, it's like, wow. yeah, we're like, we kind of like... In, how would you say like supported each other mm -hmm. on this way because inspired each, inspired other. each yeah. other because me my mom and this girl are probably the only people who escaped this this little <laughs> yeah. city uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 that's a very common scenario i mean like not common but like mm -hmm. i can see it's hard to leave those type of environments so yeah. how did you manage to leave that so tell me a little bit more about that transition to france then and how hard and difficult it mm -hmm. was or so what the transition to france for you to have an idea so at that time i didn't see both my parents for like one year and a half two years and I was about to go on the longest trip I ever experienced mm -hmm. with my grandfather. The plan was like this. My grandfather would bring me to Moscow. And from Moscow, I would join a tour trip going by bus to Paris, uh, going through different cities. So that was the plan. And the plan was also once I arrived in Paris, well... I'm not coming back in Russia. Threw your passport away. But actually, amazing thing that happens in France is like we have, um, I forgot the term in French, but it's like, like family, rassemblement familial. Rassemblement familial. So it's like, it's okay if you do this. Like France, they recognize this as a human right that you get closer to your family. So that was the plan. So I arrived in France, like at the age of eight. Oh my God, I'm in France. And I see this beautiful lady. I'm like, wow, this is my mom. Jesus. And she welcomed me, and at that time she was getting ready to to get married for a second time. And mm -hmm. actually, thanks to her second husband, who did all the possible like uh, demarche, I forgot to say, um, like, process, process, oh, yeah. all the paperwork, process, yeah, yeah all the, 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 the all the documents to yeah. get me in in France in the most like legal mm. and legit way. But you know, this story doesn't end there. So I told you. <laughs> In <laughs> Russia, we have a problem with alcoholism. Oh, Don't worry, he was not alcoholic. <laughs> he, he was, was Russian? Not. He was not. No, thanks God. No, yeah. no, 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 no. He was French, but with Spanish roots. Okay. But I would say now he had problems with his temper, like uh -huh. anger issues. Yeah. Oh, no. And imagine like a young child at the age of eight. So you escape like... Not horror, but you skip some scenes that you should not see at the age of eight when yeah. you see like adults being drunk and like doing silly things, right? So I read from that to uh, to what I think is going to be a new start. I'm with my mom. I'm going to be safe. But then she was in this toxic relationship, actually. In the what? Sorry? A toxic relationship. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Because like he helped her a lot and uh -huh. like she was kind of stuck. So mm. for the first year, I had to witness their fights and... Uh, him being like very loving me like extremely like loving me like his own child but their relationship was not good mm -hmm. so it's like going from one thing which is hard to another one and you know again i was not speaking the language so i was mm -hmm. new in a country like my only reference was my mom and i could see that she was struggling in this relationship you know she also got sick at that time when i just arrived in france and i was like what the hell 
You know, in your child, yeah. you see things in a different way. Mm-hmm. And then you escape just one horrible yes. environment. And to another to, one. Yeah. And it's like literally, oh my God. And in these terms, you just, you hold to the positive. It's like, at least I'm with my mom. The purpose was to be with my mom. Well, now it's not perfect, but we're still a team. Like we're back in the game together. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was motivating me to learn French and to concentrate on the fact like I'm in a new place. So trying to see things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. So she really like tried like to hide as much she could reality so I could concentrate like on my childhood and try to get adapted. But you know, at, at this age, I also start to get problems with my eyes. So I, I wear contact lenses. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you know, but in psychology, when you have problems with eyesight, it's like you refuse to see something. Yeah, it's like you, <laughs> you, you have, you have, yeah, you have yeah, also, there is something in yeah, your reality yeah. that yeah. you disagree. So it's yeah. like your body is also trying to, to mm-hmm. follow with that. So mm-hmm. I started to wear like glasses. So anyway, I was very lucky to be very well accepted in France. Actually, France is a very welcoming country for foreigners. For me, <laughs> it welcomed me a lot because I was a good student and I was curious and I was very active. I was daring, even though I didn't speak the language. I was like, you know, like oh, I'm trying to imitate some words in body language, guys. So like this toncam for me, Kanya. And, and so yeah, like teachers loved me because I was crazy about grades. Like I, mm-hmm. I would cry if I would not get a good grade. Really? Like sick because I didn't speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> just, how you succeed? Sorry, just to replace it on Wait. the timeline. Can I ask you about which year that was that you came to France? I was 10. I think it was... <laughs> 2000? 2000, yeah, yeah, 2001. 2001, okay, yeah. Because yeah. I was born in um, 91. Uh, yeah, 2001. Okay, yes. okay just, okay, the, the year 2000s, old. and which city was it? Angoulême. Angoulême. Angoulême, which Angoulême. is in? It's near uh, Charente, uh, Poitou-Charente. Poitou-Charente. It's okay. near Bordeaux. Okay, yes. It's near Bordeaux. I see now, yes. very exact. <laughs> see, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the international capital of yeah. comics, guys. <laughs> oh, I didn't yes. know that. <laughs> Ah, yes, yes, yes. We I'm have, pretending that I know now, but I don't. We have a big festival, so come have a look if you're in yeah. France. <laughs> Very good. So you, you came you came at 10 in the year 2000s, around like the beginning of 2000s. Wait. And at that point, Mika only spoke one language, which was yes. Russian. Yes. And you went to school directly in an all-French-speaking school. Exactly. Well, you, you had the you yeah. had the real immigrant well, experience. <laughs> the hard way, guys. The hard way. And uh, so I started first. So I was actually 10, but I started to start with kids of eight. You know, uh-huh. to make it easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, luckily in my city, we had this class called Clean. It was for kids mm-hmm. to learn French. Okay, I see, yes, yes. So all mornings, I'll go to that class for foreigners. And the afternoon, we'll go to normal school. So how it, it worked oh, like wow. that for six months. And, and you say that people were welcoming, people helped you, and like, and with, for your mother to the same, the a same lot. way? A lot. I was okay, so, very good. I was feeling like grateful. I'm someone like by nature, I'm someone very grateful mm-hmm. for small things. Yeah. But in France, I really learned like the fact, like how it feels to be welcomed somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I could see like teachers were liking me because like, not because I was just there and smiling, but because I was making the effort. Like I was really mm-hmm. working yeah. hard to communicate with people, to adapt myself because I was very like op- open child, mm-hmm. like an open book, I like to play with kids and I, yeah. And they so were, you reckon like you, you didn't have a very negative mindset. No. Like for you, the whole process was probably uncomfortable, but not like something that you saw as a like, B- a bad thing so you're Just really happy to be in france you, yes i was you extremely like, happy yeah. yeah i was seeing it as a challenge yeah. and when you're a kid like even now i still have this mindset i was seeing it as a game 
I see. Yeah, uh, very yeah. Good. Uh, that's yeah. a good way of yeah. putting it. Yeah. That's a growth mindset. Exactly. You know, like the, uh, yeah. What is it? Fixed mindset, growth mindset. Like yeah. growth mindset, see yeah. everything as a game. As Everything's I can game. do it. Like, you know, I'll. I'll yeah, yeah, and it's like. Yeah. Also, I can imagine that you made it to France. So, like, you just, like, really wanted to get out of this, like, Siberian yes. environment. Yeah. And when you made it to France, you were just, like, so grateful for the new chance that you mm-hmm. have. And then to be at something up again. And. I can imagine that in your head, like, then you're just like, I'm going to push for it. I'm going to do mm. it. I'm going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. At, at, at a very young age. Yeah. That's very good. And then, so how did the, continuing with the topic of relationship mm-hmm. with your family, mm-hmm. how did that evolve with you being in France? Well, luckily, after, I think after one year, one year and a half, so when I was around like 11, 12, my mom, uh, she left this man and we started to leave only me and her. Mm-hmm. So that's where things got also much easier because without this toxic environment, we could really like find each other because me and my mom will always been very well connected. Yeah. But the thing is like, I also started to forget that I actually had a dad. You know, when you're a kid, you're very forgetful, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's true. And I remember I, I grew up without, without even like missing him because like he was far. So mm-hmm. the first time I ever met my dad after leaving Russia was at the age of 17. Wow. Yes, that big time, right? Yeah. Big time. Yeah. And for a girl, I mean, for any kid, let's be honest, guy, like a young boy, young girl, it has an impact, of course, it when is, you yeah. l- grow up without yeah, one yeah. of your parents, you know, it's very, it's very hard. And I remember I had some like anger after that I succeed to, to like to evacuate, to, um, to transform into something else. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, I think those feelings are pretty legit. But again, it's, it's about what you do with them. It's like if you keep them and you carry them and yeah. they make you unhappy, sad, angry, or it's like you acknowledge this, okay, so I, that's a sacrifice. That's the price to pay for me to grow up in, in France, to, mm-hmm. be able, to be able to study in one of the best environments possible. So that's the price I had to pay. I see it like that. Yeah. Did you, did you resent your father a little bit or did you express that to him? Of course. Yeah, yeah. But the the funny thing is that I expressed that to him only two years ago. Mm-hmm. When I went to Russia, the first time ever I went to Russia by myself was two years ago when I was 28. Mm-hmm. And I flew from Vietnam to Russia because I understood like, you know, the relationship you have with your dad for a girl, it's basically a relationship you have with, with men in general. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So if this relationship you don't, work on it it's not healthy well basically don't be surprised if with men or like your partner just be like your partner yeah, yeah, yeah. we're open-minded here guys no worries <laughs> <laughs> with your partner it's gonna be ah it's gonna be very complicated so i was like okay yeah. i need to make that step to express my feelings and talk to him and uh, since then we actually very close yeah 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 very very close because oh, you managed nice to express it. that's yes. a very important step managing to express by yourself yeah for me it was a, a big work on like expressing resentment and rage that i had for the people that i loved mm. so my mom that passed away when i was six mm. when i managed to express that that resentment for her to leave me yeah it made me love her a little bit more yeah the same thing with my father that was a very toxic man the moment that i could you know comprehend the actual rage that i had against him mm-hmm. i was like ah oh, i love you again <laughs> yeah you'll be able <laughs> but to it's love the, them. it's the balance and then what you say mm-hmm. i wanted to ask you that because there is a, lo- a few dating question at the end but mm-hmm. I, w- I wanted to ask <laughs> you because like, question because oh. we're the I, we always say that you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree really mm-hmm. at the end like yeah. we always copy both of our parents mm-hmm. so yeah. i was gonna ask you you know in your dating life do you see patterns repeating themselves <laughs> with you know what your mother mm-hmm. went through with like you know her mm-hmm. relationships with men and then how you 
your relationship with your father you just said like mm-hmm, probably influenced mm-hmm. your dating life a lot well yes i i think it did but you know i was very lucky to have a mom who taught me who tried to teach me from a very young age my value you mm-hmm. know she was calling mm-hmm. me that i am your, her piece of art and oh, that's beautiful it's beautiful right yeah. and it's powerful yeah, yeah, as well yeah. she was calling me uh, you're a son she's not even my son you're like you're a little sunshine uh. like you're a piece of art you're like you're amazing mm-hmm. and even with that you know even with that i was still doubting myself that that's the thing it's like i think there will never be enough words even never enough love from parents it's something that has to come from within mm-hmm. so yeah. what my mom tried to do is like really to teach me to start to have this my own value by myself despite the fact that some people may like me some will love me some will hate me but it's like when you cultivate this inner self this inner love then you can go through it and you don't care if people love you yeah, okay that's cool thank you and to come back to the question <laughs> with dating life actually i've been um I think I've been quite lucky, mm-hmm. but I also experienced a very toxic relationship quite, no, not quite recently, but it ended up a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was hard. But then it's like, how do you say, again, I see it as a, as a lesson. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I learned so much terms thanks to like gaslighting. Like, excuse me. <laughs> gaslighting. <laughs> what? Right? Exactly. <laughs> no, like, hey, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, no, like. That's not what I said. It's in your head. It's in your <laughs> head. Yeah. You're like, what? What? Really? The, what? What the hell? Yeah. What? <laughs> but no, but also my vision, I have very good positive image of men. So mm-hmm. I. I know it depends also how you see the other half, how you see men, how you see women. And I believe in people. Even mm-hmm. if I had some like bad experiences, I still believe in the good. Mm-hmm. And I try to see the positive side of each person and of yeah. each situation, relationship. Yeah. And the way the way you wrote in your form mm-hmm. seems like you're very sensitive to, to other people's emotion and like you really care about like mm-hmm. how they do feel. And I think maybe there's a little bit of a pattern, usually hypersensitive people like this or very mm-hmm. attracted to people that... Yeah. tend to gaslight so you have to yeah so guys remember don't be too don't be too sensitive <laughs> don't, don't be too sensitive be, yeah like sometimes we confuse mm-hmm. uh, other people's emotion i'm hypersensitive too and sometimes we confuse other people's emotion to our own yeah and then we take other people's problem or the people mm-hmm. traumas for our own and then mm-hmm. it becomes this burden and that's why i need to love yeah. with boundaries guys yeah, love with boundaries, boundaries. But also we, we learn when so we process kind of our relationship with our parents also mm. through our actual relationship mm-hmm. because i think we have to experience it mm. first to actually see the pattern mm-hmm. that we copy because without yeah. having the same thing in our own relationship we mm-hmm. don't realize that actually we are impacted by mm-hmm. I, that yeah. uh, trauma that we had as a child yeah. right. so we all have to go through this like when we have that relationship that didn't work out so well and then yeah. we, we recognize okay this is something we should take to learn and we learn when we recognize it but you know other people can live mm-hmm. with that patterns in other relationships and yeah. they carry on because they don't have mm. the Takes capacity the mental capacity to the emotional uh, maturity yeah mm-hmm. forgive yeah, yeah. The, the forgiveness yeah. And, the, and then to reflect on the things that mm-hmm. happen to you yeah, you know exactly. some people run away from problems yeah. and that becomes addictions alcoholism yeah. and to be able to like have a very deep, meaningful relationship that ends very badly and to be able to step back and reflect on it, be mm-hmm. like, okay, what went wrong and take your side of responsibility. Sure. Yeah. I, I, it took me a while, mostly 15 years, to be able to step back from all my relationship and be like, mm-hmm. oh, I was the person that I never wanted to be, which was my father. But, you know, when you're in arguments or you're triggered or something like this, you go to the model that you've seen survived. And so my dad yeah, was yeah. the most toxic person in arguments. 
But that's exactly what I was doing in my relationship because I knew that if I was acting like him, there would be an end to the argument. <laughs> I would survive that Sneaky, argument, you know? And, yeah. But it was so subconscious in a way. And then yeah. when I realized, okay, I have this huge fear of abandonment that pushes mm -hmm. me then to be triggered very easily and to be just a copy of my father. Mm -hmm. And not the best yeah. copy. You mm -hmm. didn't take his best side. I know, no. I took right. whatever made me survive the, yeah. the argument. And it was like, there was part of me that when I reflect on it, it was like, yeah, I did gaslight. But yeah. But yeah. that's good. Look at yeah, you yeah. now. <laughs> you so like you, you I can smell smell happiness from yeah, you. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> from you too, money, don't get me wrong. Too. Both of you, both yeah. of you. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move on to uh so you've uh, you were in France until when? I was in France until the age of 23. 23. 23. So About 13 years. Yes, I lived for 13 years and I got French nationality when I was 17. 17? Naturalized. And then quickly, like, what did you study at the university and like what? Ah, that's, I love this question because <laughs> actually, I don't know about other countries, but in France, we, there's a theory of the carton, we call it. So the <laughs> economy people will, will think the model of a carton box. The scientific people will make the carton box and the people who study literature, literature. will live in that box. So <laughs> this is how bad we think about people who study like yeah, literature, <laughs> geography, history, philosophy. We just like assume that it's not that useful to society. Mm -hmm. Most of the parents, they will push their kids to study economy, yeah, like science, science, like yeah. something very concrete, like, yeah, you're going to be a doctor. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But for me, I never thought like that. Mm -hmm. And I was always attracted to Arts to words. I'm very uncomfortable with figures. I always mm -hmm. mix days. It's not my language, but words, I feel very comfortable. So I felt like I should do something like in literature. So I did the Bac L in uh -huh. France. And then later on, I did a class preparatoire, which is like two years when you study super in, in an intense way yeah. in order to get in the best schools in France. Mm -hmm. yeah. But at the time, you know, I was like, okay, literature, philosophy, I love it. It was amazing. But Let's be honest, you need something a bit more sexy. <laughs> so I ended up doing a business school. I ended up mm -hmm. having a master's degree in business and a bachelor's degree in French literature. Oh, very nice. Like to stay, yeah, to that's stay, a nice combination. Yeah, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. to, to stay grounded because at that time we got lucky. Like in France, they were also trying to democratize this idea of like people studying literature subject. They should be able also to do business. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I could get enrolled in this program and get a master's degree about business. But... To be honest, <laughs> it's just you learn when you do internships, but like business schools, all of this is just, ah. Uh, I know, I know. It's empty. <laughs> it's just so it's, empty. Yeah. And if you don't have a passion on side, you become empty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Sorry. You, you chase that piece of paper and as soon as you have it, it's just yeah. toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you need to have some stuff on side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's decoration. Oh. And so you've graduated at about what age? Boy, I, I don't know because so when I came in Vietnam uh, six years ago, it was for an internship. I see. Yes. I took a gap year and ah. then I had internship here in Vietnam. Uh -huh. And I was supposed to go to Canada at the time. Oh, yeah. After, yeah, yeah I had a boyfriend who was Canadian. I was supposed uh -huh. to meet him. But then I realized I love Vietnam so much. The weather is nice. I kind of started to live my motorbike, to have friends. I was like, why should I abandon? I, sh I will extend my internship. So the whole gap year oh, wow. happened to be here. Yeah. yeah. Happened to be a six year. Happened year. to be. No, no, yeah. It's still a gap year, guys. <laughs> I still have to graduate. Oopsie. No, 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 no. I did graduate. I came back to France when I was maybe uh, 25 something. Uh -huh. And then I came back to Vietnam with the firm decision to stay here. Yeah. and to learn Vietnamese. 
Yes. So why Vietnam? Why Vietnam? I so I was in China before. Uh -huh. I went at the age of 23. I went to China for academic exchange, mm. and I kind of enjoyed this uh, freedom that I got there. It's like, like French, you know, French business school as a little bit sneaky because they will send you abroad for six months, so you can put on your CV. Oh la la, I am so open-minded to the world. But then <laughs> you have to come back and pay back what you paid for your diploma. <laughs> you know, basically yeah. you have to start to work because most of us will take a how you call it. They borrow money at the bank, so mm. we'll start to pay back so you cannot really take time to figure out what you want in life so now i was like hmm that i found it very sneaky and actually i don't want to live like that so i decided i would take a gap year and at the time i was thinking to stay in asia because i like china but it was like eh, a little bit narrow-minded for me mm -hmm. where about in china uh, uh near so the city was ningbo and it's near shanghai Shanghai, yeah, yes. it was beautiful. I traveled a lot, discovered amazing things, but I was like, this is nice, but I need something else. And I found this internship in Saigon simply because the boss was French. Mm -hmm. And I was feeling like more secure to work with someone who's coming at least from one of the two countries yeah. I come from. So yeah, 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 yeah. I ended up here like that. Yeah. And then what was your expectation of Vietnam when you came and, and what? How Zero. I knew nothing about Vietnam. Unfortunately, in France, they don't teach us much about either Viet Vietnam or like the war that yeah, happens yeah. here. It can happen if you study history, like when you like specialize yeah, yeah. in history. But like but in high school, no, right? Yeah. No, we don't have anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my knowledge of Vietnam was literally zero. Yeah, yeah. I could not even say Xinjiang. <laughs> yeah. like I, nothing. I but, still remember in high school in France, it was like the Korean War and the Vietnam War was one page. Yeah. And then the revolution was 55 chapters. Right, <laughs> right. World War II, World War I. <laughs> Again. Like, and then there was two pages of like the yeah. Cold War and the rest. That's so interesting because yeah. I, I, I would thought like it's uh, such a significant event. No, not in France. It is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but yeah. like mm, we don't, unfortunately, we don't teach that. We don't that. talk about yeah, that. We don't talk about it in schools. Anyway. Sorry, I cut you off. You oh, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was your first impression of Vietnam? So when you, because I, I know a lot of expats when we interview them and, and they ask like, It's like that moment they step out of the airport. It's like, oh. No, <laughs> it <was that> <laughs> actually, it is very different. I, that's the moment I step out of the airport and I just felt so lost. My luggage got lost in, <laughs> in Singapore. I was like, oh, no. I had like that luggage was all that I was bringing with me from France. And the fact that it was lost, it was like I was losing my heart, literally, mm. a part of my own body. Mm -hmm. So I, I was like not even yet 24. I was afraid to cross the street. I was thinking, why is it so noisy? Why everybody's talking so loud? <laughs> why, why, why? And I was like, why my luggage got lost? I was just like so angry and my internship was starting. And I was like, I hate this place so much. Why am I even here? I was just feeling so, so scared and so afraid. And I remember at that time my mom told me like, hey, this is a good sign. I'm like, what? <laughs> How is it a good sign? She's like, it's a good sign because this is cleaning the road for you. It's like, we believe in Russian like superstition, like something bad happens at the beginning. So it cleans the road for the rest. Oh, that's With, a good way of thinking. That's a good, yeah. right? Yes. It's very wise. And actually, I remember at that time, I was not meditating, but I prayed a lot. Mm -hmm. And eventually my luggage, by chance, came back. I, I started to make friends at my new job. I started to feel comfortable to even cross the street, guys. Yes, mm -hmm. <laughs> miracles can happen. I started to ride a motorbike. So it's like step by step. I started mm -hmm. to really like the lifestyle here, like the country, like the people. 
I always say crossing the street in Vietnam is an act of faith. <laughs> that's is. one of the most religious acts that you can do. You have to believe. Yeah. <laughs> to believe yeah. Yeah. You, have, you have to put that first step and just believe. <laughs> just people, believe yeah. Yeah. And keep cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to exactly. look super cool. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. looking straight to the eyes, yeah. to the driver, like, hey. Yeah. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so the internship went well. And so why staying in vietnam not why you came to vietnam but why did you what was that sensation that's mm -hmm. that desire to stay in vietnam then so when i came back to france to graduate i felt like okay this is a close chapter but then i felt like i don't know what to do with my life actually and i feel a little bit narrow in france right now because i know most of the time we will think oh france is a very free open mind like open-minded country a very free country and i just didn't feel like that i love many things about france but i was feeling like mm -hmm. i have to go somewhere else and at the time i was like okay so i came back from vietnam but then i'm like i want to come back there because at the time i had a vietnamese boyfriend a very international <laughs> oh, <wow>. and, <laughs> and actually he i had a very good relationship with him and his family and when i came back it was tet so the streets were empty I was didn't understand things and I was lucky to spend this amazing uh, period of the year for Vietnamese people in his family to experience it really from within with like with the lucky money, mm. with all the celebration of the house, with the yellow trees. It was adorable. And I remember asking him like, hey, can you teach me Vietnamese? And he's like, no, nah, you should have someone else. Hey, can you teach me Vietnamese again? Like, no, no, no. Okay, so I will just find someone else who will teach for me. The next day, we were starting learning. <laughs> <laughs> I can be very persuasive, you know. So thanks, that was the first step for me to learn, like to have a purpose was, I want to talk to his family. Mm, very and good. To, yeah, to basically, to have a second, we say in French, like, second souffle, mm -hmm. like you start to breathe another time, because mm -hmm. I was like, yeah. if, really, right? if I would not speak Vietnamese, I will not be here. Because it's not yeah. the same experience when you live in a country, it's like being blind or like being uh what do you say mute something like that for me personally it, 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 yeah, it, it, it's, it's completely it, i can yeah. relate different it yeah. removes the dimension definitely ex like there is it removes the dimension yeah, yeah. yeah definitely yeah like when i was living in the netherlands i was not so motivated to learn dutch i only knew the basics but at least knowing the basics yeah helps me to get more connected to the place mm, to people yeah mm. but uh, when you can't really speak the language yeah. fluently to really connect actually the people mm, you miss something you're missing out yeah. so you can see a, a clear transition between y your time in vietnam not being able to speak vietnamese and starting to understand it and mm. being able to speak is it a huge difference of course yeah. i feel so much connected to people and I'm, especially i'm someone who like, i feel people very easily i, I feel the vibe mm -hmm. from coming from people but then when you can also add to it your speech yeah. so then your message is become 10 times stronger and i got very lucky what i see now is a sign is that few months after i started to learn vietnamese i got contacted by a big uh, production house to do a dating show on Vietnamese TV and at the time the MC was um, Trang Tang. Trang Tang, yes. Like I didn't know superstar. He was superstar now. Do you know like, him? No. He just did the movie <laughs> Boya. Boza, yeah, yeah. yeah, very very su superstar. So yeah, he's like yeah, like Santum basically. Yeah. And uh, at the time it was still very fun. not at the level now, but I got lucky I got into the show. My mom was also here. Uh -huh. One of my close friends was in the show. And basically, we, we did the recording, and the day after, I got like 5,000 more followers on Facebook, something mm -hmm. like that. I was like, whoa, mm -hmm. in one day? That's sick. And I was like, 
I really like that because also in France I study about drama, mm -hmm. like playing on stage. So acting for me is something like very personal and mm -hmm. it's also kind of therapy, can be a therapy for many yeah. things, like a way to express yourself. So by joining this game show and by having this thought that, oh, maybe I can make my way here, like being working in, in entertainment in Vietnam, mm -hmm. I can not only bring something new from both my cultures and my way of thinking, but also to to express myself. And it gives me motivation to learn even more, to go to school and to yeah. take more classes. So the transition was very natural, like it was meant to be. Yeah. yeah. How long did it take you for you to be like satisfied with your Vietnamese? I'm not yet satisfied. That's the beauty <laughs> of it. <laughs> Is that I'm still learning. Before you came, my teacher was here actually, where we have had amazing lunch, but I'm still learning four times a week. Four times a four week. Four times yeah. a wow. week, yeah. It's especially during lockdown, I got to like uh, level up myself with mm -hmm. a new routine, with really like um, a strong motivation, strong desire for that. So I'm seeing the process of learning, but I can see obviously every two, three months, Especially when I came back on the show on VTV3, the yep, that we took. Like I could see I was much more comfortable than mm. a few months ago when we were just shooting mm. season one. And it's the idea that I see my own progress. So it gives me motivation to continue, to never and, stop. And just again, to replace it on the timeline Wait. for the audience, when did you start uh, learning Vietnamese? Three, three years and a half, something. But then it was not continuous, you know. Mm -hmm, it's like yeah. I was studying like two months at school. I would chill for one month. I was like, I was more like, yeah, I was speaking Vietnamese. It's okay. It's cool. <laughs> but then really lockdown like hit me up in my oh, face. Wow. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, if I stay here, I really have to be the best version of myself in any dimension. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lockdown oh. now that happened. This lockdown, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the this COVID one, lockdown. the bad one. Yes, yes, yes. You went back into self care and like balance. And exactly. Yeah, that was a good reflex. So much. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that like was, that was a good way to do it. Yeah, go ahead. I wanted to ask how you felt like when the first time you were in a Vietnamese show. At that time, did you have to speak Vietnamese immediately in the first show or you were like speaking in English and. I would just like want to <laughs> picture oh. that experience. Like, how is it? Well, it's like being blind and mute at the same time. <laughs> like, literally for me, I was like, ah! <laughs> so I had to speak Vietnamese right away. And at that the big show I did was Trang Tang. It was like maybe a few months I started to learn. Uh -huh. So my Vietnamese was like maybe 10, 20% of what it is now. But I had to pretend that it was maybe 50%. <laughs> so I was, I, was, I, was, I remember they asked me like, hey, you should ask question because the game was like for me to find a boyfriend. Oh, but then well, it's like, well, and, yeah. What was the name of the show again? Dai Chin Kin Re. Okay, no, I yeah. And the thing is like all the girls, they're like very serious asking questions yeah, yeah. like about if we get married, should we live together with your parents? And I was like, fuck, it, I don't have this vocabulary. <laughs> Sorry for the F word, I mean to say <laughs> family. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I just remember, I just asked him, Dai Sao Ang De Eri Map? <laughs> and everybody like what? It's like yeah, tại sao? Tại sao anh đi? Tại sao anh không không cao? It's like why you have this mustache? Why why oh, what, why, why you, you shave? why you don't you shave something like that? And the MC was like, he didn't even know what to say. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> so they, and then I was saying the same sentence. Like I was speaking the phone to talk to the MC because the guy could not see us. So it was the whole mystery. I could only yeah. talk to the guys through the MC. So I had to pick the phone to talk to him. And I was always saying. Hello, Dela, I. So he was like laughing, like, what the fuck? What the family? Yeah. You calling me and you ask me who I am. And so they were like, yeah. they, they keep it a lot of clips of that. So my jokes was simple, but straight to the point. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I connected with people through humor. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's so uh, funny. That's so cute. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's very good. So we we mentioned a little bit you getting into the show business. I guess Oof, we're gonna call sexy. it sexy. That's that's the, that's the way to call it. Ooh, <laughs> famous so life. If oh, la, la. if I'm if I'm summarizing this well, like you learning Vietnamese opened the door to show business for you a little bit, or it was already in your interest to go into show business, or like to to be a public public persona, or mm -hmm. because you were Russian, French, uh, white, <laughs> mm. tall, beautiful, and you could speak Vietnamese, that kind of pushed you into show business. There is a little bit of everything, I would say, I would say. but I'll also add, you know, in France, despite the fact that I'm quite exotic because I come from another country, mm -hmm. right? Well, I always felt like I was maybe not enough for this industry in France. Like I tried to do some beauty contests. Mm -hmm. I tried to get around in a modeling agency in my city. And I just felt rejected. I just felt this is not where I belong. Mm -hmm. And I promised mm -hmm. to myself, I will find my place where I belong. I see. So in Vietnam, when I did that, I was not maybe the tallest. I was not maybe the prettiest, but I was who I am. And that's why people liked me. I was like, whoa, this is the best thing that could happen to me. I have the opportunity to be myself because actually there is not so much difference when you see me on stage and when you, see, you hear me now or you <laughs> see me in real life. I'm literally almost the same, maybe like 20% less or more. But I have this opportunity to, to now live from my passion mm -hmm. and to be also able to reach people, to encourage them to do things that they like, that they feel passionate about, yeah. no mm -hmm. matter the field. I'm interested to know, like, what makes you feel so alive when you do shows? What is it that drives you? What is it that you want to express mm -hmm. within yourself when you are doing basically moving within the show business or mm -hmm. doing performance? Oh, I like this question. This is a very deep question. I will just go back a little bit in time. Like a few weeks ago, I came back on the set of the show on VTV3. So, yep, that we do. And I felt so emotional because during lockdown, I thought that, okay, our life will be like that. We'll just stay in our homes. We never see each other. Yeah. We'll only record stuff on computer. I will never see these people. I'll maybe leave Vietnam. And that's it. And when I came back on the set, and we, we will have an episode like why we all love Vietnam, I'm not gonna spoil, but basically I just felt so grateful. So, so why am I so comfortable being there? Because I felt this is where I belong, literally I belong. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I can make people smile, I can make them laugh. I can share my positive inner world, like my spirit with them on a high scale on TV, on YouTube, like that's what makes me happy. My message is basically very simple. It's like, just enjoy what you have, be grateful, be happy, yeah. be, just embrace this happiness. You have the power to be happy. Nobody can take that from you unless you give that power away. So it's very genuine and simple message, <laughs> but I think we need to acknowledge small things to be able yeah. to receive bigger things in our lives. Yeah. Uh, that's very beautiful. I felt also it. very deep answer. <laughs> like, yes, you can drop the mic now. <laughs> uh, of all the um, all the shows that you've done, all the things that you're doing on social media, all the, I mean, all the the way that you express that public persona, which way is your favorite one? Ah, uh, recently I got into TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I love TikTok. I think it's such an amazing tool. And I really studied, studied how great it is because you can like 
have bigger audience in just few weeks you mm -hmm. can express yourself you can meet new people you can share the universe that you have and i just like the idea that i can have a small space where i can be also like not myself but like a part of myself that i can mm -hmm. express and i don't need anybody i shoot my videos yeah. by myself i do the subtitles by myself I don't need anything except me, myself, and I, and we just have fun. <laughs> yeah, and it's nice yeah. to see that all the people react too. They have fun too. They're like, yeah. oh, they're on the same vibe. Like, whoa, I'm not crazy. So <laughs> it's cool. And also like to share with them my life, my different cultures, and just to connect on a, on a different level. So it's cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's cool. actually really funny. So I encourage the listeners to, <laughs> to check out Mika's TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was, again, I was watching it yesterday and I was like, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I was watching the one because I looked at the one that had the most views. Uh, like yeah, of course, of course, of course. The, of one, course. the one was like Hui in... in, uh, oh. in I was laughing. It's like Hui apparently in Russian means eggplant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, good. Very good, very good. The eggplant emoji. Many eggplants. <laughs> Many which eggplants. Which I said eggplants in plural. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's powerful. Oh, wow. I love Hui. Yes. <laughs> I love Hui. <laughs> good. We have so much in common. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um sorry <laughs> but, but so the, the the tiktok is for now in the present moment the, the best way that you like to express that public personality it's or just, express yourself no it's just one of the ways yeah, yeah. like one of the ways i like to express myself on every mean i have like through this podcast mm -hmm. through pictures mm -hmm. through videos through shows i just take everything and i just try to make it the best yeah. i can and and so i guess if we're talking about mika your personal brand mm -hmm. what audience are you targeting vietnamese vietnamese and so what impact do you wish to have for those vietnamese positive obviously yeah. i want to have a very positive impact on them i want to inspire them to learn what they want to learn to do what uh, they want to do to be passionate about things to to reach their dreams i'm, I'm, I'm like sorry we've been talking to too much chase their dreams. to chase their dreams <laughs> to reach their targets mm -hmm. and uh, to make them laugh and just to fill them with this positive vibe that i mm -hmm. carry all around with me yeah and you know i i have a big heart i have a lot of love in, inside of that so i'm not i'm not, I'm not shy to share yeah. the love basically to share the positive vibes and i think if we all start like to give a little bit of this happiness to each other well it will have a positive impact mm -hmm. on a global scale yeah yeah and what are the topics that you really fires you up <gasps> Oh, there are so many actually, but I'm really also I'm into woman empowerment. Yeah, getting it's beautiful, and I feel extremely lucky to live in 21st century. You know, when <laughs> me too, right? When we don't have to fight for our basic rights. I mean, we still have, but it's like yeah. not the basic one. At least we like we are evolving, we are growing, we become more empowered, and that's something that I really like to inspire women to not be shy to ask for what they want. Yeah, yeah. Like, yesterday I already got a lecture of how to ask for things. <laughs> you got a free trailer, like a free... Give me a sample of that discussion, please. <laughs> a sample? It's, it's just, okay, I want to say, it's my personal vision. It's like, I believe as a woman, especially with our beloved or our boyfriend or the one that should be our boyfriend, mm -hmm. the one that we're chasing, we should not be afraid to say things and to yeah. ask for things. Because when you yeah. are starting a relationship, when you already have a relationship, it's it's all about investment. It's mm -hmm. like we have this big jar and what do you put inside? And I believe it's very important for a woman to see that a man cares, not only through words and so on. I want to see mm -hmm. real things. Like show me that you really yeah. care about yeah. me. And 
this kind of investment, it's not only to please myself, but to please the other. For example, ask the other day to my beloved. <laughs> True story. I hope he's listening right now. So I said to him, baby, always start with a nice note, right? Baby. Every time I look at my hair, I want to think of you. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, I would like to change my hairstyle and... I also don't want to change just for me. It's also for us because I want you to find me beautiful and I want to <laughs> feel beautiful for you. So it's like, yeah. So I'm like, yeah. So could you be the, could you investing in my hair, please? <laughs> and he's like, oh, Jesus. It's like, excuse me, but you're investing in our relationship after I get the motivation and I also get the desire to do more for you in another dimension. doesn't have to be hair because he has no hair. So that's the good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so basically I said in a very kind and gentle way and also very flirty, let's be honest. And I think this is the kind of power that sometimes we women forget we have. You know, it's like just being gentle, feminine, like funny, a little bit like that. Kinky. <laughs> Obviously, they cannot say no. Like, which guy is going to say no to you when you ask him like that? And when you're extremely grateful, because you have to be grateful when you get things from people from life. So obviously he said, yes, you can see my hair is cute now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you to you, baby, again. <laughs> Next appointment in two months. Don't forget. <laughs> so that's the thing. So when you ask things in a funny, beautiful, genuine way, like I I don't believe in a no is an answer. That's it. And I think we should not be shy to ask for things we want. But well, me, it was hair at that moment, but maybe someone else. I don't know. It's like this pair of pants or I don't know, anything that you want. And sometimes I also know my Vietnamese friends, they have difficulty to express their feelings because they're like ngai with yeah. their husband mm -hmm. and boyfriend. Mm -hmm. like we're, they're not used to it. And when I come with my speech, like, hey, don't be shy to ask. They're like, uh, what? Even my teacher who's been married for many years, she told me it's not natural for her to ask her husband. So just to Pretty, switch yeah. your perspective. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you can extend it to, it's not only about your boyfriend loving relations, it's about everything actually. Don't be afraid to ask for help, to ask for advice or for mm -hmm. something. <coughs> yeah. It's something everybody should be able to do. Yeah, yeah that's a big big thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, like, you're allowed to ask. Mm -hmm. I mean, like you were, because that's something that happened in the childhood. At some point, forbidden to ask. Mm. You're forbidden to say, like, you know, the adult goes and say, like, shut up, like, you know, or you're too loud or mm -hmm. you're asking too many questions. But technically, our basic human rights, I guess, yeah, just to <laughs> is ask. You, we're allowed to ask mm -hmm. and we're allowed to say whatever we want. But one of the things that I I added to that because I I was a little bit confused with this is I am allowed to say and ask whatever I want, but I'm not in control to the reaction that the opposite side will have, and I'm not in control of the emotions that it will create in others. And that was for me one big step that would complete the the little mm -hmm. equation because sometimes, and especially in a relationship, you. People would ask in a very passive-aggressive way. And yes. when they wouldn't get the emotional reaction that they desired, then it would get into this very mm -hmm. weird argument. But yeah. you should feel you know, free yeah. to ask. But yes. then if the answer is no, then there is a conversation that needs to happen. Well, well we'll find <laughs> someone else who will be very happy yeah. to finance my hair. <laughs> but but the no, other it's, part it's is, very true. The other part of that is when we assume. And then we, we assume, don't yeah. ask for it. Mm -hmm. And then we assume in a relationship. And that's when fuck ups happening because mm. you assume that the other person do that because of but it's just mm -hmm. in our head and exactly mm -hmm. and i think even if you ask for it and you get a no it's still like a feedback 
Yeah, that's still a reaction. Then. A reaction. Mm-hmm. You get a reaction, but if you never it's ask, you never get the reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I and it, yeah. this is all very interesting to um, to talk about this topic of ins- inspiring women to be more clear and audacious in dating. Yes, especially in Vietnam. We. Oui. I my my <laughs> girlfriend is like for me the typical for me sample of Vietnamese youth. I mean, she's oh. 23 years old, grew up in this Are you very. Like younger. <laughs> I, I, I'm like a vampire. I need that youth. If not, I <laughs> we're like 13 years difference in age gap. But uh, I didn't choose it. Okay, it, it just happened. Sure. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I chose it. Coquin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Everything that you're saying right now, I've, you know, like it's. Um, I, l- I lost track of what I wanted no, to no, say. No, no, I think yes. I wanted to continue. It's yeah. like also for women, when they ask our beloved about mm-hmm. it, for the man, it's also very nice because it doesn't feel used, but if he's participating mm-hmm. to his lady happiness yeah, and it's yeah. like he's having a direct impact on something mm-hmm. that she really likes and that she cherishes. Yeah. Again, it can be something small. It can be a plant. It yeah. can be a case on phone. It can be just a flower. Yeah. But when you express your needs, especially to someone you love and who's supposed to love you. I mean, I hope for you ladies. So <laughs> you should not be shy. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. 99%, that person will say yes to you because we we are people like to make other people happy. So mm-hmm. we see that's going to make you happy and going to make me happy. So yeah, yeah. let's just show the yeah. love. And even as simple as like, I want you to hug me. Yeah, hug me mm-hmm. for or, my hair. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like help me, hug me, yeah. kiss me, and yeah. and even those on know, MD. <laughs> we even like sometimes shy to do that. Let's say we are uh, tired, we are feeling sad, and then we don't ask for help. Lack of self confidence, I think, it's also one of the big factors why we don't ask yeah. because we're not self confident to make that first move. Have you advised a lot of Vietnamese youth mm-hmm. uh, in this topic and? What other type of pushback do you see? Is there any friction or any like? Because it's hard to change the mentality. So how do you approach the topic? Let's say I'm a young female Vietnamese that I, I grew up with this uh, very old school mentality. Like you know, man is on top, and I have to provide. Oh, of course, to my husband be on top. Yeah, provide for me. Yeah. yeah. And it's so, <laughs> how do you approach that discussion with a girl and be like, mm-hmm. this is not the way it's supposed to be? And how do you relate with her? And how can you make that connection? Mm-hmm. Well. You cannot escape your culture. You cannot mm-hmm. escape your family heritage. You don't have to deny it. You don't have to neglect it. You just have to embrace it. So I also come from a traditional culture, you know, and I was lucky to travel to see other cultures. It's called French culture, Vietnamese culture, and just to embrace the best out of it. So what I say is like, we always have the choice to of what we put in our glass. Let's say you have an empty glass. I choose to put in my glass the best I have from Russian culture, the best I have from French culture, and the best for Vietnamese. So, of course, growing from like a very strong culture, which is very beautiful, I think, in Vietnam, it's an amazing thing. But sometimes we also have to take a step forward to find not only who we are in this culture, Mm -hmm. but like just who we are. And be very yeah. grateful because it's amazing. I'm still very like happy for Vietnamese people and Vietnamese like have the way of thinking because you you guys, I mean, I say you guys, those Vietnamese who are listening, thank you again. <laughs> but you carry your culture from so long with you, like the Aozai part, this Tet celebration or the festival. I think it's so beautiful. The only thing is just like you're not neglecting your culture when you're asking for things. You just, you develop it. So you're not putting it aside, you're just making it grow into something like more actual. And again, there Mm. is the art of asking for things. And you don't have to imitate me, you just have to find your own way, which is like in accordance with your own values. So if you are someone shy, maybe you can write a piece of paper. 
Maybe you can write a story, you know, maybe you can send a message, sing a song. I don't know. There is always so many ways to express yourself. So just like, don't be afraid to be creative. So when you ask, you also allow yourself to be more creative, literally. Yeah. yeah. And you will adopt different. I will not ask you to see the same way I will ask you, Moni. It's more about like adapting to the other person, to adapting the way yeah. they will understand us and they will understand our need and what we would like to have from them. Yeah. Oh, that's very well. That's nice. Well put, yeah. Like claim it, girls, boys out there. <laughs> yeah, claim boys, girls, both yeah. of you. Huh? Yeah. Don't don't hesitate to ask for what you want. And if you face rejection, Mika is going to be here to solve the problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Never take <laughs> no as an answer. <laughs> no, the, the conversation, knowing how to solve problems mm -hmm. together, is big big steps for for us. Mm -hmm. So you've been a public personality for how many years now? I would say yes, since I started, like two years and a half now. Two years, two years and, and a half. half, yeah. So far, enjoyable ride? Yeah, very nice. Yeah. It's just like it's going step by step. And uh, I start to get more and more notice on the streets, thanks to TikTok, thanks to the shows. And it's very nice. Like People are, are very kind and they're mm -hmm. just like super happy, you know. And yeah. uh, I'm very happy that they recognize <laughs> me. I feel very grateful. I'm like, oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Like you have to be grateful to for the audience, you know, mm -hmm. because they're yeah. here and they support and they encourage. So I'm just extremely grateful to have a positive response from the audience yeah. here. It seems that you give a lot of energy to to people, and you care a lot, and mm. this this probably depletes you or or tires you at some point. So, how do you balance yourself? How I do you balance, care for yourself? I have a very strong routine actually. I that I implemented during lockdown. Mm -hmm. So during lockdown, I decided I was thinking like, oh, I always wanted someone who will understand me, who will love me the way I want. Then I'm like, hello, you already <laughs> found that person, it's you. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, literally. I'm like, hello, it took you so many years. Well, okay, ah, it's okay, second chance. And uh, yeah, just literally, I wanted to fall in love with myself. Like yeah. literally, I wanted to be the best version that I wanted yeah. of myself. And to do that, I started to wake up early. I always dreamed to wake up early on a daily basis. <laughs> it was always hard with this lifestyle. So I was like, no. This time <laughs> we're doing it. So I start to wake up early and to exercise because I love exercise. But then like, hmm, something is missing in my soup. I started to meditate on a daily basis. Mm. But then like, hmm, still, I started to cut my phone to disconnect, to self-connect, basically. Yes. So it's mm -hmm. like in the morning, I will not turn on my phone after, at least after I finish at least my meditations. That's the earliest. That's very good. Right? Yeah. And at night, the same. I will shut down, then I go meditate, read, and then I go to bed. So I became an old lady because <laughs> I love to go to bed early. That's my passion, like really. Because when you sleep, you wake up with a fresh mind, you have enough rest, you have creative ideas. And when yeah. you associate that to meditation, like also the chanting now it's just you enhance your inner power your inner force your energy and then you're able to give as much as you can give receive and you're able to to be the at your fully fully capacity yeah yeah very beautiful because that's what i'm promoting as well mm -hmm. as a coach and hearing you following all of that the morning routine the night routine yeah. like having enough sleep yeah yeah doing everything mindfully let's all sleep together in our beds <laughs> yeah. in our beds at the good time oh you said a lot of very meaningful words here like you know with self-reflection meditation and all those things how did you encounter those words and how did you 
suddenly knew that you had to create routines and what helped you creating those things? Mm, so I started to learn like spirituality and self-growth when I was a teenager with my mom. Mm -hmm. And then I watched The Secret, which is like the, ba the, the basic thing, right? Yeah. The law of attraction. And then I just continue, I don't know, like to watch videos, to listen podcasts. But recently I encountered Buddhism. But so I'm Orthodox. But then I started to study about Buddhism, Nishiren Buddhism, which is uh, about chanting. And what I like about this, because it's very, uh, how do you say, um, practical. Mm -hmm. I'm someone who's very mm -hmm. practical. Spirituality for me, it's not something you put in a drawer like, ah, let's open once in a while. You know, mm -hmm. no, it's every day. You practice spirituality every day. And this practice just like helped me to get connected one more level to myself. So I didn't wake up one day like, oh, Someone spiritual, yeah, that's so sexy. It just came step by step, you know. It's like learning to forgive people, like learning to forgive yourself, and mm. just be strong in that practice. And I think daily practice is the most important thing, and that's yeah. why routine are so important. And I think everybody just should have a routine and just stick to what works for them. Mm -hmm. And that's how you keep balance because I believe every day we wake up and we have this good force and this bad force like mm -hmm. that is like having a battle inside of us. And by meditation, by self-reflection, we can mm -hmm. master this. And later on when something bad like life happens, you react to it in a different way because you had this sleep, mm -hmm. because you had yeah. this inner work. So then you can see the best out of it and you can turn poison into medicine. That's very well said. Drop that mic yes. again. <laughs> Should be a coach, uh, Mika. I want, actually. Yeah. I, re I definitely want to follow a course to be a coach because I love these topics. Mm -hmm. And I like to share this knowledge with people. I think we should yeah. all be capable to choose our own spiritual yeah. path. Yeah. Yeah. Very powerful what you're saying right now. I'm, we're both coach in, a, in our <laughs> lives. But for me, I, I, I suffered from drug addiction. For me, the way out was obviously the 12 steps program, but also the routines, really. It, and it sounds so simple. And when you so see, you hear the word exactly. routine, in my sexy. way now that I'm coaching, it's mm -hmm. like for us, it sounds sexy. But like for mm. the audience, I feel when they, they hear routine, they're like, what the fuck? Like, like routine yeah. is boring and things yeah. like this. So sometimes we call it like morning rituals. It's so powerful and, and habits. really, yeah, habits, habits uh, like a chain of habits. And for me, it started with just waking up and then drinking a big glass of water. And that's yes. what got me out of most of my addiction at the beginning. It was like, let's do one thing good mm. for my body. Yeah. And then meditation came after. And now I have a routine that lasts about an hour, an hour and a half every morning and then at night too. But it's very important for the audience to, you know, yeah. like when we say routine, it's try it. Like, you know, and then it's not something that is incredibly hard. Like, you know, how long does it take for you to do all of this in the morning? Uh, it takes also like one hour, an hour and a half. But it's like... Like actually, I love to take time to mm -hmm. do all of this thing. I don't yeah. do it like to rush it. It's like I really enjoy mm -hmm. every single moment from when I wake up, I still at Market Yuan, I feel so grateful. Mm -hmm. I'll read some like inspirational quotes. Mm -hmm. I'll do my bed, yeah. super important to make a bed. <laughs> Meditate on my bed. And I just yeah. feel full of energy. Every single thing I do, I feel grateful for. And I mm -hmm. feel like empowered because I choose to do it. Yeah. And you will yeah. see the results very quickly, yeah. guys. Yeah. And the listeners it's might think that we are like some superhumans who I'm wake up I early <laughs> and do one and a half hour yeah. morning routine. But uh, we all started like with some small action, of like to with the water. Yeah. Uh, you make up 
I don't know what you started with. Um, water also, water, warm water. I'm warm a big water. fan of warm water. Oh, yeah, yeah, me too. I have, I have <laughs> lemon, lemon and pink salt water. Pink morning. salt yeah. water, interesting. Yeah. It's called the uh, mineral cocktail, we call it. Ooh, yeah. sexy. So we always start with something small <laughs> and, and uh, I always promote that that small change yes. yeah, yeah, can yeah. create a huge ripple effect yes. on the rest of your life. Yeah. Yes. And it's as simple as that, having a morning yeah. routine. Yeah. Morning and shutdown routines. For me, a morning and a shutdown routine is like when you start a sentence, you start with a capital letter. And when you end the sentence, you, s- mm. you always end it with a full stop. Mm. Whatever you want to write in between is up to you. You can be as creative as you want, mm. but you have to start with a capital letter and finish mm. with a full stop. Nice. And it gives that structure. And that's what gives you that you know, that yeah. rhythm and that, that consistency. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, like when we have a passion, like Mika, you are like performing so much. Mm. We need that energy yeah. throughout the day. And then you can only cultivate that energy if we have mm-hmm. some certain amount of routine or discipline mm-hmm. to really just get back to ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Other than that, if you don't have it, you might get a burnout. Exactly. Uh, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you age faster, though, definitely. And also mm-hmm. say, it's important what we also put in our bodies, like not only in terms of food, but also in terms of knowledge, ideas, songs. So now I'm very, very careful about what I listen to, who I talk, which kind of information I let through my mm-hmm. body. And sometimes if I just see a topic I'm not interested in, I'm just going to leave the conversation. Like It's that simple. We really have to understand that everything we put inside of yeah. us will have results. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very, very good. And the people that we are surrounded mm-hmm. with. Your close yeah. relationships as well. Yeah. Talking about close relationships. So, who is your support system? And do you have a circle mm-hmm. that when Mika is in need and her internal process mm-hmm. is not enough, who is there for you? Well, I would say first is my mom. Mm-hmm. Definitely, my mom is my first spiritual teacher and probably my best friend i would say like that mm-hmm. uh we're extremely close even though we didn't see each other for like two years where is she right yeah now? she's in france okay yeah. in france and also I'm very close to my dad now after this we said this process of evacuating the mm-hmm. bad feelings but now we're very we're very close i know i can reach him out when i want mm-hmm. and it's same also i'm not someone who have a circle i have like friends here and there because when i'm with someone I like to cherish that moment. So usually I prefer gatherings of like one maximum two people. So I'll be more selective with the Mm -hmm. people to who I really open up about that. Yeah. And so who do you go for advice? So my parents, my close friends, now my beloved also. (laughs) (laughs) But I have not mentioned his name because, you know, we're both a little bit famous. So all of Uh. Was, that the per- was he with you the last no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> I know the name. I know. <laughs> very good, very good. So yeah, well, congratulations, and it's been Thank fulfilling you. so far. Yes. Yes. And uh, who else? Who else? And myself. Okay. Yeah. Very good. yeah. <laughs> I ask myself, like, if I have a question, just go chant and meditate, and mm. I know I will find the best answer. Mm-hmm. out of it i'll ask people like to come from like mirrors you know yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. ah i have this vision like do i see the confirmation ah okay that's yeah. it but i try to rely on my self power a lot like, yeah, the way yeah. i feel things or people yeah very good so <laughs> what's next for mika what's next for mika so i mentioned it but i think i will take this life coach mm-hmm. course Blech, i'm losing my words because i would like to see how it's going like to see Trying to have an impact like on people on an individual scale, like one to one, but also I like to make this a course actually. What I mentioned earlier, the capacity to ask for things, mm-hmm. to express your feelings, to be to be in alignment with your needs and your thoughts. I think it's something very important to me, and especially for uh, for women. 
yeah especially yeah. for women for men yeah. as well of course but that's my main i would like to get a positive and mm-hmm. back first on female especially here in vietnam because it's the country where i live now yeah, yeah. and i don't know maybe i'll do it in vietnamese maybe and or in english but it's something i feel really passionate about and I'm not shy or I'm not scared to share it. And I think knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you, you can simply choose what you take for you or like, oh, maybe I just pass. And as long as you can take at least one good thing out of this podcast, guys, I will consider that this is success. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's a good one. Yeah. That's very good. Did you want to add anything, uh, Mika? Guys, just thank you for listening. Yeah. just be happy and i hope we'll have another occasion to meet up again yes yes yeah. <laughs> actually we're preparing for the new year like maybe uh, something called the creator's hour oh, where we'd, yeah. we would like have discussion like this with a topic in mind so more coach related mm, so if you sexy. would like to be talking about those things with us yeah, yeah. like a round table you know oh like. <laughs> i feel the vibe oh yeah. it's strong yeah, yeah. Ooh, give me that Yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's so great i'm very thankful that you've welcomed us to, uh, sure. to your place thank My you pleasure. so much i think the audience is going to be able to listen to your voice and realize that the mika that they see on tv for me is also the same mika that i've exactly. seen in front of me yeah. even There's, deeper yeah. than the mika on tv uh, because <laughs> i have more time to express my thoughts yeah. Yeah. yeah so i'm i'm excited for everything that you're going to be doing next thank you <laughs> you yeah. have the support of us at creators oh, in vietnam and, uh, exactly. and yeah we we love the chat thank you so much thank, thank you. you so much mika <laughs> thank you moni thank you tracy thank you bye guys bye bye <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Vietnam. If you like this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast. Also by sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.